Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 10, titled Anomaly XB67837476. Just rolls right off the tongue, don't it? Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh my god, this episode is so amazing. It is so absolutely incredible. I love it so much. It is so masterful, so impactful, such a huge turning point in this series. Like, it it kicks off this sort of race to the finish for Fringe. That, of course, we'll spend a lot more time talking about next week when we get into the last three episodes. But, like, oh, boy. Oh, boy, does this kick off this, like, last four-episode arc so perfectly. Like, it's just so, so fantastic. And I've been really, really waiting very impatiently to finally get to talk about it. Uh, so this episode picks up about where the last one left off. Uh... They got Michael, they got him in the lab, they're trying to get info out of him, they're trying to get info out of him, like, they're trying to sort of figure out what his deal is, and he's just not saying anything. He's not communicating like he was before. Like, whatever empathic connection that there was has sort of been cut off for whatever reason. Just sort of doesn't exist. Uh, So, in order to try and communicate with him better, they reach out to Nina, who is like, wait, what, child observer? Oh, crap. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll help out, and leaves. And we get this whole storyline where Nina takes the Fringe Division and Michael to this uh, massive dynamic black lab that she's been loaning out to the Resistance. Uh, That was actually being used for experimentation on observers. They were trying to make it so that we could have tech that would allow humans to read observers the way that observers read humans. But it just never really panned out. Uh, So they got Michael in there. And they're trying to uh, ask him questions using this technology. Ask him questions using this Uh, tech, try and translate his thoughts that are just locked inside of his brain into words, and it kind of fails miserably. It doesn't work in any way. Uh, Because Michael's thoughts, for whatever reason, they are just not like in any way the type of thoughts we see in observers. Like, these are not the brain patterns of a typical observer. This is something entirely, entirely different. Uh, So, we come up with the idea that, like, maybe instead of trying to get into Michael's head, let's let Michael into our heads. 
And so there's this whole plan uh, to get another one of the devices they've used on Michael, this ECOG translator. Try and get another one of those to put on someone else and, like, some other stuff and blah, 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 blah. So they go to Hastings to try and get this tech. However, while all of this is happening, Captain Winmark is pursuing Nina. Because he finally got around to looking at the fact that Ministry Tech was used to get into that storage facility by Fringe Division. And he is going back and has traced that back to Nina. And has traced that back to specifically this facility. Um, By the way, there's this really great moment where... Observers use this tech to sort of get uh, sound waves off of the glass uh, from Nina's office door. Sort of a comeback of something Peter did, like, way early on in the show. Like, season one, uh, Peter used this type of process uh, to figure out what's going on with this uh, Nancy Lewis chick. And this is just a way, 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 way more advanced version of that. Again, I love it. We're so far into Fringe, and this world is so intricate. These just little things come back, or it's just like, yeah, this is part of the world now. This is what I was talking about earlier this week with that one woman who was just randomly clairvoyant, and it never really became part of the story. It was just like, yeah, this is part of the world now. Like, some people just have these weird abilities, and we don't know where they came from. Like, that's just part of the world. Uh, So, they do this, and Winmark hears the, what? A child observer? We've never seen one of those before. Uh, that type of deal. And immediately becomes, like, infinitely more intrigued, immediately becomes, like, infinitely more determined to get Nina. And this leads him back to the facility where that initial tech they used to break into that facility came from, and he just goes through and systemically, uh, systematically interrogates every single person, uh, working at that facility. So he's just working his way one by one by one, reading people, reading people, reading people, reading people, reading people, and then he eventually gets to Hastings. And his interrogation scene is so good, it is so great, and very uncomfortable to witness in the best possible way. Uh, It is extremely, extremely well done. Uh, And this is happening while Fringe Division is now having to resort to breaking in and tracking down the thing, and they find the tech, and then Olivia sees across the way, and is like, oh, crap, Winmark's here and is interrogating Hastings, and Nina is definitely compromised. Uh, When... Nina comes out to call Olivia to check how it's going. Uh, her, uh, her phone, her comm, like, just immediately pops up on, like, tracking deal, and they immediately track her down that way. And I think Nina absolutely, like, she very much understands. She very much knows, oh, crap, this is something that just happened. Oh, crap, this is something that just occurred when I came out to call Olivia. Uh, but they get the tech, 
when Mark jumps away to get to Nina and they rescue Hastings, who then is like, hey, that loyalist came in to tell Winmark that they found Nina. They know where Nina is. And so Fringe Division races back to try and save Nina and to try and get Michael out of there. Uh, And Nina, like, immediately just, like, hides Michael away. And by the way, while this is happening, uh, Michael touches Nina and shows her something. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is Michael shows her. We don't know what it is Michael does to her brain. But she is shown something by Michael. We don't know if it's like original timeline memories or uh, his involvement in the plan or something grander than that. We have no idea. This is one of those things that the writers smartly leave up to interpretation. Uh, One of those things that's just always going to be a nagging question narratively. And they very, very smartly bring that up. But Nina hides Michael away before Winmark arrives. And this scene, this beautiful, beautiful scene, is the highlight of the damn episode. This is the real star of the show. It is why this episode ranks so highly for me. It is just magnificent. When Mark shows up, tries to interrogate Nina, Nina is incredibly defiant. And if you ask me, this is the best work that Blair Brown did in the entire series is this sequence. She does an incredible, incredible job here. And this is definitely like, this is the best Nina moment. This is the best Nina moment in the entire series. That is inarguable. Uh, and freaking Michael Cope says Winmark also does an amazing job. And this is definitely one of them, the scariest Winmark moments as well. But we get this entire interrogation happening with Nina being very defiant. Uh, I love this one moment where Winmark's asking Nina about Michael. Where is the child? Where is the child? Uh, and Nina just asks the question... Why does a child scare you? And then Winmark goes through the whole history of this uh, this child. Who's like, it is not a child. It is an anomaly. Uh, a genetic mistake. Like all anomalies, it was scheduled for termination. But then the anomaly went missing. No one knew what had become of it. It was a great mystery in my time. Until now. And so, okay. Lot to unpack there. So, Michael. This child observer. Is in some way a mistake. Is in some way just not. Not conducive to what an observer is. Like, something happened. Something went wonky. In how observers are created. And because of this child observer's flaws, or rather deviations from what an observer is, observers immediately went like, well, that's a mistake, kill it with fire. Uh, And they were going to terminate him. They were going to kill Michael because he was not a traditional observer. Like, his... 
like, sort of empathic, like, strangeness just wasn't typical of of an observer. And then something happened, he is gone, and no one knows what happened to him. Worth noting, we did very much see, all the way back in season one, as Michael was being carried away by his new foster family... September watching him being driven away. So we know September knew about this kid. Long before now. And yet, this was still a mystery. And yet, this was still a question mark in Winmark's time, in the time of the Observers. So, September didn't say shit. Makes me wonder. Like, we know September tried to help Walter against the Observers. We know that September was a part of the initial fight against the Observers, but maybe he was, uh, maybe he was unhappy with the Observers. Long before this happened. Like, maybe he had a bit of a rebellious side long before this happened. Or, maybe that September we saw in that last scene of that one season one episode was not a September of that era. Maybe it was, like, maybe we saw season four or five September in that moment. Who knows? Like, and also, I mean... September definitely, at one point, was told, make sure Peter doesn't come back into this timeline, and he definitely said, nah, I'm gonna let Peter back into this timeline. So maybe that was an act of rebellion. Like, there is so much, there is so much to unpack with September, and we'll get to that. Oh, trust me, we're going to get to a lot of uh, September stuff. Uh, But back to this Windmark confrontation. Nina then gets the most incredible monologue of all time. Nina gets a goddamn perfect, absolutely amazing, magnificent freaking monologue. Where she says, basically, hey, you know why you tilt your head? It's, uh, it's an involuntary response. Uh, more sound waves go into your brain. You get more stimuli. Like a lizard. I, I, I spent a lot of time studying lizards, too. And I spent a lot of time studying observers in this lab. And you have a lot of similarities. And, you know, for all of Lizard's evolution, they can't form bonds. They can't contemplate beauty. They cannot perceive something greater than themselves. Like, they cannot have any emotion. And it turns out that for all your controlled evolution, you accidentally went back to primitive practices that 
we evolved beyond long ago. So really, you're the lower life forms, you're the animals. And it's like this last defiance from Nina to the observers, and it's just like, yes, yes, this is a highlight of the entire show, it is such a great moment, oh my god, I love this, and then, when, uh, when Mark says to restrain Nina, Loyalist comes over, tries to handcuff her, she takes his gun, and then, when, and then points at Winmark, and Winmark's like, you can't hurt me with that. And Nina's just like, yeah, I know. And then shoots herself in the head to prevent from being read any further. To protect Fringe Division, to protect Michael, to protect the plan. This is so perfect. And such an amazing way for Nina to go out. It's maybe the best death scene in all of Fringe. Hell, screw it. It is the best death scene in all of Fringe. Inarguably. It is perfect. It's it's a perfect scene. And such a brilliant way for Nina to go out. Uh, And what's so great about this on a character level is that Nina, throughout this entire show, has been such a massive question mark. Like, her morals have been ambiguous, to say the least. We've never entirely known what her real agenda is. We've never entirely known uh, where her real loyalties lie. We've never entirely known what she's been all about and what she actually was working towards. Whether or not she was... Someone to be trusted or someone to be suspicious of. There are times when we've sort of hinted at Nina being a full-blown villain. Where she's done things that have been very, very dubious. And have not looked good for her. Nina has been, throughout this entire series, someone who we cannot read. Nina has been someone whose actions are so grounded in mystery. And I don't know. And you never know what is happening, why she does the things she does, like what she works towards. Even when uh, the alternate timeline happened and Nina essentially became Olivia's foster mom and got a more emotional attachment to our main characters, like... Even then, like, she had some weirdness. Even then, she had some question marks. Even then, it was like, eh, we're not really sure how much this changed her. Up until the very last moment, Nina has been someone who, by design, we're not entirely sure of. By design, we are not necessarily aware of who she is. But then this scene happens. And we see her sacrifice. And we finally see. We finally get all the information we ever need to know about Nina. After everything. After 
every single weird moral decision she made. After every single ambiguous thing, mysterious thing, possibly villainous thing, who even knows, she was ever a part of. She did the right thing in the end. She sacrificed herself for uh, for Fringe Division, for Michael, for the plan, for freaking humanity itself. And in doing so, gave one last F.U. to mankind's oppressors. To mankind's greatest impressor, uh, oppressors. And it's amazing. It's an amazing moment. It really, really is. For all of Nina's secrets, for all of her deceptions, for all of her shady dealings, and for every conspiracy theory that has ever been thrown against her, both in-world and in fandom, both Logical and completely insane. For all the question marks that have surrounded her since day one. At the end of the day, she was good. And she did the right thing for everyone. And that's the end of Nina. And by the way, the moment where Fringe Division shows up and finds Nina's body reflects that. You think any one of them cares about that one time someone said, uh, massive dynamic killed this guy, Nina Sharp is bad, uh, oh, William Bell's funding ZFT, all that. You think anyone cared about that when they found Nina dead? Having sacrificed herself for humanity? No! A true goddamn hero of the resistance against the observers sacrificed herself to save humanity. And someone who everyone, despite the question marks around Nina, truly cared about, truly grew to care about over the years. Is now gone. And, like, I, I, I love all the various reactions. Walter is inconsolable. Like, just is devastated by Nina's loss. By the loss of one of his oldest friends. Olivia, who still harbors some lingering affections from alt-timeline self before her memories got overwritten. Like, she can't even look at the security footage. When that security footage comes up, she turns away. I mean, look, this is someone who has been so strong, who has been such a rock, who has been such an absolute badass, and has almost never, with the exception of her daughter, been someone who in any way unravels, in any way shows quote-unquote weakness, what society generally considers as weakness. She has never done that except for her daughter. 
And yet, she cannot bring herself to watch the security footage of Nina's death. That says everything you need to know. That says everything you need to know about how important Nina is. How much she has proven herself to be good. How much she has proven that no matter what secrecy or double dealings or whatever she's had throughout the entirety of this series, she has always been decent. She has always been someone who at the end of the day will do the right thing. And that's really all that matters. Every single question mark has either been broken or has been rendered just pointless. We can debate what Nina's been doing, what her underlying agenda was in the Massive Dynamic days. We can debate all of that. There are questions I have about Nina. Did she kill that one dude with the hallucination butterflies? What the hell was that cloning Tyler's thing that was happening? Etc, etc. But none of those questions are important. She proved herself worth those question marks being erased. This is Nina Sharp now. Nina Sharp will forever be defined in my mind by that death. Not by her secrets, not by her deceptions, not by her shady dealings, but by that moment. So, they find Michael who was successfully hidden underneath an observer corpse. Uh, Winmark didn't find him. They're able to get him, bring him back to the lab, and then we get this fantastic ending. Yeah, this isn't even the end of the episode yet. We still have another pretty damn big scene uh, where uh, Michael is sat down, puts the ECOG halo on, uh, Walter is on the receiving end, uh, and they start this conversation. They start talking to him about, like, okay, who is Donald? What is your role in the plan? Like, all this. And after a while, Michael just takes the thing off and gets up. And it's just like, you know what? I got a better idea. I got a better way to make this go a lot faster and for it to be a lot more effective. And he touches Walter in the same way he touched Nina. And what happens at that moment is a thing of beauty. We see a rush of original timeline memories. Right from the moment he was first found in St. Clair's. All the way up to the reset. Walter now remembers the original timeline. We see... All these images of beauty in Walter's life. The moments that he needs to hold on to. With Peter. With Etta. We see Michael giving him the context. 
of what needs to be held on to, directly addressing the very real lingering idea that Nina was supposed to take the pieces out of his brain and now she's dead and that can't happen anymore. They don't even address that in this episode, but that's a huge thing. And Michael addresses that, giving him these flashes of this beauty that he needs to hold on to. And then we see flashes of September. Both as an observer and as a as a human. And then it's done. And Walter makes the reveal. That I've been trying to talk around so much. I'm so happy I finally get to say this. It's been so hard not to say it outright. We finally get the reveal that Donald is September. And that's the end of the episode. God, this episode's so good. This episode's so amazing. And we still have three left. We still have three episodes left of this damn series. God, I love Fringe. God, I love Fringe so much. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now before I accidentally spoil something. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash Archive, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 11. Talk to you then.